Hallelujah. Well, what a blessing it is to be in the house of the Lord this morning once again. Uh, this morning we had a uh, wonderful, wonderful word from God into our hearts. Uh, the title of that message was Let Him Do It. Amen. Sometimes we're trying to get our hands into things that God is trying to get into. Amen. Hallelujah. So, but this morning, you put it right in front of me. This morning, this, this, uh, let me just say that yes. my wife reminded me since she's the head of Children's Church okay. to dismiss the children. Okay. <laughs> Although the children would probably love to hear your message. <laughs> At this time, we are going to dismiss all the children and the teachers to Children's Church. How'd I do, honey? Good. We don't pretend to be perfect. We know who is. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, what a blessing it is, uh, again, uh, to be here. Listen, I wanted to say that um, I love your pastor so much uh, and his wife. He is a tremendous blessing to everyone he comes in contact with. He's such a giver in so many different ways uh, that uh, he has become a dear friend of mine. Uh, and, uh, again, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what, what is he doing in Alaska well, some are here in New Jersey, but as I said this morning, you know, that's just Pastor Joe. He does things, uh, once you think you know where he's going, he switches up on you. Uh, he's always here and there. Uh, he's like the Energizer Bunny, amen. Always envisioning, always going somewhere, always doing something. Uh, and he says, he always says to me, I got to see things happening. I got to see things happening. I say, well, praise God. <laughs> But well, he's a tremendous blessing, and uh, again, as I stated this morning, I want you to know that he loves you very much. Uh, we always talk about you, uh, you know, and, and the love that he has for you, for your families, for this ministry, the goals, the desire uh, for you guys to grow uh, in every aspect of your life. And so he's always mindful of you, and so I just want to say that he's a tremendous man of God, and as well as Alicia, is a wonderful woman of God, and Tremendous blessing, amen. I, I do want to say that you have great pastors, amen. If I wasn't going to a church, I would be here. Are you hear what I'm saying? If I would not have a church, I would be here uh, because this church is, is, is moving and grooving and uh, such a great uh, vision that this ministry has, amen. Hallelujah. So, uh, Pastor Joe, love you so much. Thank you for entrusting me, amen, with your people, amen. Hallelujah. I don't take this moment lightly. Uh, again, this table is before me. I'm not a magician. Uh, there's nothing up my sleeves. I'm not going to do anything. Uh, so uh, I'm just going to bring an illustration. Uh, but I just do want to say thank you to uh, the ministers, Pastor John, all the pastors and deacons and all the other ministers that are in the house uh, and all the supportive staff. Thank you so much for all you do. The ushers, uh, teachers downstairs, they're always laboring. Uh, for us, so that we can get the word up here, amen, that's a blessing, amen, very, very special, uh, and I do want to encourage you to get involved, if you're not, you know, uh, involved in anything, you were created for something great, and sitting on the chairs, just listening to short Puerto Rican people are, are not <laughs> the greatest thing, but you should get involved in something greater than yourselves, and that is in ministry, in whatever capacity, in whatever capacity it is. So I want to encourage you to get involved in ministry, help the pastor here, the elders and deacons, everyone else that is doing something for Jesus to get involved. I guarantee you that's how you're going to grow. 
Amen. I never thought in my life I was going to be a pastor. Never in my life. Never in my life. Um, my wife met me while I was on stage, while I was breakdancing. Believe it or not. It's true. It is true. Uh, she, she actually, I was spinning on my head while she was, it's a true story. You're laughing at me, honey. It is true. See, now if I try to break dance now, I'll break something. So I don't even. Uh, but that's how we met. She was, I was 19. She was 17. Uh, and uh, we've been together for over 30 years. Uh, tremendous blessing. Amen. I guess she liked the way I was spinning on my head. And stuff. Uh, but thank God she doesn't ask me to do that again. But, uh, but yes, no, I... I uh, Never thought in my life I would be a pastor, but once I got saved uh, during Desert Storm, March 23rd, 1991, the first thing, as I was sitting in, in the pews, just like many of you are, I said to myself, you know, I'm, I'm a strong guy, and, and you know, I don't feel like I need to come to church and do nothing. So I saw the musicians just kind of moving stuff and everything else, and so I went to Ralph, who was the, the, the lead musician, and I, and I said, hey, Ralph, man, how can I help you, man? He said, well, curl up those wires over there. I said, all right, but how do you curl them up? And so he gave me instruction on how to curl. You just can't turn. Come on, somebody. You just can't just do it any old way. Musicians, you know that. So he said, you got you to wait. You got to twist it and everything else. There's a, there's a way of doing this thing. So I found out how to do that. But that was my first assignment ever in the church, just doing wires. And then God took me from one place to the next place to the next place. But I made myself available. And all I'm saying this morning is to Make yourself available to this ministry. It's a great ministry. It's doing great things. Make yourself available to it. You're going to grow by that. And God's going to take you from one place to the next place. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So it is a blessing. I wanted to just uh, talk to you this morning to, and the title of my message is Embrace the Process. Simple as that. Embrace the process. This morning was Let Him Do It. Today is just Embrace the Process. And... Uh, for every temptation, how many know that there is a way out? That's what the Bible said, and it is clear. And if you're, going to go, if you're going through something right now, it is because God knows you can handle it. He knows you can handle it. If you've got a ministry and you think it's difficult, I want you to know that God knows that you can, he'll never give you more than what you can handle. So sometimes uh, we say, Lord, why is this? Why is this so heavy? Reminds me of this man. He was... Uh, heavy burden by his life, and he says, Lord, why did you give me this cross? This is a tremendous cross. It's huge, and, and I can't bear it. You know, and then finally, God gave him a, a, a vision, and it was almost like a real vision. He went up to heaven, and so he had a discussion with God, and he said, God, why'd you give me this big cross? This is the, one of the biggest cross you have. Why in the world you gave it to me? And so Jesus took him to uh, the cross storage, and took him there, and then finally said, well, look, I'll tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. He said, this is, my this is where I have all the crosses stored. He said, you decide which one you want, and I'll exchange it for you. So the man began to look and say, okay, wow. He was then finally, he, he saw the smallest cross that was there. He goes, I want that cross. And Jesus turns around and says, well, that's the one you have now. And sometimes <laughs> we think we have the biggest cross. Amen? And sometimes we think we can't handle it or... or you know, the truth is, the Bible is clear. He said, you know what? There's other people around the world going through worse things than you are. Yeah. And, and God began to enlighten. I remember when my son, 
and, and some of you know the story. He went home to be with the Lord at the age of 12. He had leukemia. He died of cancer. And uh, all I can think of is all the other people around the world who are going through worse things than I am. And although that is difficult that that was, by his grace, he's able to guide my wife and myself, my family, uh, through, this, through this endeavor. And by the way, my family is here. Honey, won't you stand up, please? This is my lovely wife, Awilda. Amen. And this is my beautiful princess, Amelia. Won't you stand up, baby girl? Say hi. <laughs> and my gentle giant, I call him my gentle giant. Jonathan, won't you stand up? That's my boy. He's, about, he's close to six foot, 245 pounds, and he eats like a horse. <laughs> we go to McDonald's, and he said, Dad, can I get a number five, number three, and number two? Out of the dollar menu, let me get this, that, and the other. <laughs> How many of you have teenagers in the house and know what I'm talking about? Huge. Can't wait till he gets a job. I'm going to start eating better now after that. But the truth is that God can, he'll give you only what you can handle. Why? Because he knows you and he created you for a reason. So the things that you're going through right now and will go through did not catch God by surprise. Nothing that you're handling right now does not catch God by surprise. Because every problem that came to you was there to be solved. Every problem has a solution. And whether you think of it or not, you are a solution to somebody's problem. You are. Because God designed you for that. You are created to solve a, a problem. Now I want us to... Uh, look at Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Here's what the Bible says. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I love this scripture. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I want you to know that God had a process and he had you in mind. Before anything was created, he, has, he had you in mind. He said, before, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. I knew everything about you. I had a relationship with you. Now, I want to say something to you that you probably won't believe, but have, how many of you have ever had a deja vu? Right? Yeah, it's like, man, I've been here before. Hey, do I know you? Right? When you say, do I know you? It happens to me often as I travel, even around the world. I went to Honduras uh, a couple of uh, years back, and, uh, and, and I, was, I was preaching, and all of a sudden, I looked around and said, did I ever come here before? Because it seemed like that. Now understand, the Bible says, before I put you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I had a relationship with you. I'll be honest with you. This is what I believe. You don't have to believe it, but this is what I believe. I believe in purpose, and I believe that I had a relationship with God before he even placed me in my mother's womb. He gave me an assignment while I was still with him. He gave me an assignment. Then he put me in my mother's womb. He knitted me there, and then all of a sudden, he allowed my mother to give me a name and birth me into this society. And as I begin to walk, yes, disobedience, sin, and everything else, but somehow, some way, he had that purpose still for me. And as long as I stood close to God, be able to hear the voice of God, he would be able to say, don't do that. Do this. Watch it here. Watch it with that person. Sometimes I would obey, obey that voice. Sometimes I would disobey that voice. But I want you to know that God's purpose for me was always there. I was dis destined to be a pastor. Not because I said it or any man appointed me, because I had a conversation with God. And all along the way, 
that conversation, he would say, you're going to go here, you're going to meet that person, you're going to do this, and everything else. And as we're walking, that's where we say, don't I know you somewhere? I truly believe with all my heart that God opened up, just like these wonderful screens that we have here, these wonderful teleprompters, that God began to show us everything. And then he places on this earth for a reason and a purpose. That's just my personal belief, and I'm seeing that in my own personal life. Psalms 139, 13 said, you were created. He said, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. One of the wonderful things about God is, you know, in Genesis, uh, that as he began to create everything, he spoke to everything. He spoke to the sea. He spoke to the, to the sky. He spoke to everything around it. But when he created man, he touched. He touched. And that's one of the things that we have to understand. When he knitted us, he touched us. And he knitted us personally as a sign to let us know that we have to touch people. It is our responsibility to make contact, to make an impact. The greatest success in life is not how much money you make at the end of it, or how big is your house, how nice is your car, or anything, or how big is your church. How many people have you touched? How many people have you touched? As you go through society, and I've learned this, as I'm going through my own personal life, I'm touching people. And I go through, and I just touch people as I go along. With whatever I have, maybe, an exa- maybe my own personal life, whatever it is, I just touch people as I go. And as I touch people, I'm praying in Jesus' name that that influence, and that word influence means to flow into, influere, to flow into, it's a Latin word, to be able to flow into that person, whatever I have on the inside. And I truly believe that with all my heart. I want you to know this morning that you are not a mistake and you were designed by God for a specific purpose. And I want you to know, I said it this morning, that God doesn't love us pastors and ministers more than he loves you all. He loves us all the same. And he's called us for a specific purpose. Doesn't matter how much, you know, how you got here on earth. Amen. Because see, what happens is I know some people that have been raped and they have children. The children have said, I don't believe that God has a purpose for me. I said, why not? He said, because my mother was raped. I said, that is the furthest from the truth. It doesn't matter how you got here on this earth. God is able to make all things work together for good. For those that love God and are called to his, according to his purpose. See, I, see, we work in the inner city, so I don't know how this works here, but we work with real people. And we deal with real problems. Are you hear what I'm saying? And so, so we have these situations where people are going through so much, and they believe that their life was a mistake. Oh, my mom made a mistake. You know, they were going to Atlantic City, and uh, on Atlantic City, they decided to park on the side, and they decided to have intimacy, and that's how I came about. So I was a mistake. No, you're not a mistake. God has everything in control. Come on, somebody. He has everything in control. And God works all things together. God will pick up the broken pieces of your past and your mistakes and everything else. And like I said this morning, he he assembles them like a puzzle. And he begins to paint that picture of your life. Our responsibility is to obey him. Our responsibility is to pay attention to what he uh, has for us so that we can fulfill that purpose. When I die... My last day on this earth, I want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servants. Not well done, good and faithful pastor. Not well done, good and faithful deacon or whatever it is. Well done, good and faithful servant. That is the fulfillment. All the other degrees and diplomas and medals that I've gained all throughout my life matters nothing. 
If I don't get them words spoken to me on that day, I have failed in my life. That is my ultimate goal. And you've got to understand that life is a process. That life is a process and that God is constantly working in your life. Isaiah 64 and verse 8. But now, O Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are the work, once again, of your hand. We are the works of God's hand. We are the work of God's hand because he knew us, he formed us, he placed us here on this earth. For every calling, there's a process. Many people in the kingdom of God said, Lord, I want to be used, but they don't want to go through the process. Many are called, but few are chosen. Why? They fail the process. They fail the preparation stage. They don't want to sacrifice. They don't want to do the things that God has called them to. So there's calling, there's a separation, but there's a preparation in between that. And that is the process that God brings us through, all of us. God aims first to renew our darkened spirit, the Bible says. How many ever heard of Watchman Nee? Yes, very few. Some of us are old know that. <laughs> Amen. Those are the books we used to read. Watchman Nee. And he said this, God's intent after that is to work out from the spirit to permeate man's soul and body. God wants to permeate you. He wants to work in you and through you. So before you, God, you can fulfill your purpose, you must go through a process. Now, you're probably wondering, why is this table before me? And somebody says, come on, Pastor, let me see what's under there. Door number one. But let's go to Jeremiah chapter 18, and let's take a rest there. Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. Pastor Joe is probably saying, come on, Pastor Barry, let me see what's under there. Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 6, it said, This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you a message. And it's amazing how God will always tell you to go somewhere before he gives you anything, right? Most people say, tell me what I have to do. God said, no, no, go first. No, but I need to know. No, you don't need to know. Just go. Come on, somebody. When he, when, he, when he healed the blind man, he said, Here's a, go down to the pool of Siloam. When he healed the lepers, he said, here, go to, show yourself. He said, and as they, were, as they went, they were healed. So he'll always tell you to do something first. And so he said, go down, and I'll show you what you need to do or what you will see. And I'll give you a message. Verse 3, so I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from clay was marred in his hand. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best him. Then the word of the Lord came to him, O house of Israel, can I, can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Now understand this, that God gave this message to Jeremiah for the people of Israel. But how many know that that is still a same message for us. It is the same message. God's word is everlasting. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word will never pass away. So what was spoken there still speaks to us now. Psalms 139, 14 says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and my soul knoweth that very well. Now I want to give you a picture, if I can, the best way I can, of what Jeremiah saw and what the potter was doing. 
so that you can understand what he is doing in our lives even to this day. Uh, during the time of the uh, artisans when they were doing it, they didn't really have to explain. They just saw it and they understood. But today, we don't have that much. We don't, we don't see people working on pottery every day like they used to do in those days. So I'm going to illustrate some things to you. Now, you have to understand, I don't want you to laugh at me, but uh, when I was in college, the last year, I had a, a, a few credits that I needed to take to finish my degree. I have a law and justice degree uh, out of the college in New Jersey, and so I needed like a few uh, credits. So I took the hardest courses I could, like trampoline. <laughs> I took trampoline. Yes, it was hard. Very difficult. But I also took ceramics. Now, I don't know why I took ceramics, but, you know, it was a blessing to me. Now I know. So I understood the process that Jeremiah saw and what the potter was doing. And one of the things that we see, is it here? Okay. I got to fill it out. All right. Let me see. Okay. Here we go. One of the first things that we had to do was we had to take, now I don't have the actual clay, but this is Plato. Thank you, children's ministry. <laughs> and so what we had to do was, the first thing is the teacher said to us, there was a big glob of clay on the, on, right next to the potter's wheel. And the teacher said, before you touch it, before you touch it, make sure you know what you're touching. It's the first thing he said. Make sure you know what you're uh, touching. Now, when we looked at it, like you see this, very, it was formless, amen, had no form, no character, doesn't look like anything, right? And he said, before you put it on the wheel, make sure you know what you're touching. The second thing is, before you even touch it, make sure you have an image of what you want it to look like before you even put it on there. Make sure you have an image before you even put it on there. What is the image of the final product? Basically what he was saying. And I want you to understand, family of God, that everything that you see was created twice. Everything you see was created twice. Everything's first seen in the unseen. And then it comes visible. I just read a scripture to you. Before I placed into your mother's womb, I knew you. God already knew you before you came here, and then he presented you to the world as a gift to the world. I want you to know, I know before we used to say when we were growing, I'm God gifts to women. No, you're God gifts to mankind. Hello. You're God gift to mankind as a blessing. You are supposed to be a blessing. So everything's first seen in the unseen. Everything was created before it was created. It existed before it actually existed. The Bible says in John... Chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, he says, The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him nothing that was made was made. So everything was created twice. This building was created twice. This building was first in the mind of your pastor. It was already there. He saw everything, and then all of a sudden, he put it by the grace of God to be able for you to be in it at this moment. He already saw you in church before you came to church. See, that's what visionaries do. They see things before anybody else sees them. They're already created in their mind before it's actually visible to anybody else. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So before you came to Christ, 
Just like this, we had no form, no character. And when we decided to ask Jesus into our heart, God had an image as to what we were going to look like. The image that we had before Christ, before we came to Christ, was molded. But it was molded by media, by our families, maybe by our culture, maybe by our friends, status quo, begin to mold us. And today, some of us suffer from the way they handled us. Hello? Because somebody, let me tell you something, someone did not know how to handle us because they never had the image from the very beginning. And so they handled us and, and they mistreated us and, and they broke us apart because they didn't know. So our lives became an experiment. That's why we made so many mistakes because somebody else was handling us. Does that make sense? Someone else was mishandling us. So God all of a sudden decides to place us in what he calls the celestial wheel. And he puts us on there. And then all of a sudden what he does, he begins to need us. He begins to need us, right? And the reason why he does this, it's very important, is to take out what is called the air pockets out of our lives. So he puts us down and he needs us and he has to do this process. And so some of us don't like this process because he squeezes us and he begins to tighten us up a little bit more. And squeeze and said, Lord, why are you squeezing me so tight? He said, I have to do this because there's some air pockets in your life that needs to come out. He said, well, Lord, I don't want it. He said, he begins to need to take out these air pockets, which represents the things that will hurt you in the future. He has to take these things out. And so as he's molding you and, and working in you, he said, I got to squeeze. I gotta, there's an air pocket of cigarette addiction. I got to get that out of you. There's, there, there, there's, a, there's a sexual addiction in your life. I got to get that out of you. I got to get that out of you because it's not part of your future. That cursing and lying and cheating and envy and jealousy, I got to get that out of you because that's not part of your future. He begins to squeeze you and squeeze you. The jealousy and the envy and the unforgiveness and the bitterness and the hurts, and he has to squeeze you. And so he said, don't squeeze me that hard. I have to. I already have an image of you, of what you look like already. From the very beginning. God begins to form you because he has that image in mind. He already sees the final product. How many know that God finishes before he even starts? <laughs> he already finishes. So in God's eyes, you're already a finished product. In God's eyes, you already finished product. He's just bringing you through the process now. And that's why sometimes we go through the, you know, the things that happen in my life. I say, Lord, why? He goes, shh, it's the process. I already know what you're going to be. You're already a finished product, but you don't even know it. But I still got to work. And so he begins to take out these air pockets. How many knows that he knows our final destiny? He knows our destiny. And sometimes, interestingly enough, but sometimes interesting about how he shapes the clay, right? And he begins to do it. And the interesting thing about this, that God, as he begins to shape, he never shapes down. 
God begins to shape up. So he puts you down. He, put the, he puts you down. But as the wheel is turning, can I get a napkin here? As he begins to turn, as he begins to, that wheel begins to turn and turn and turn and turn. Hallelujah. In that wheel, all of a sudden, thank you, all of a sudden, I don't know if you've ever been in some period in your life that looks like nothing is happening. Looks like you're just kind of going in circles. And you're like doing the same thing over and over. And I said, Lord, when am I going to get out of here? He said, you're not done yet. I just got dizzy real quick. <laughs> he said, I'm not done with you yet. And sometimes we want to jump off the wheel. Because sometimes it's fast spinning. It's spinning so fast. And we want to jump. Lord, get me out of here. He goes, no, not yet. And he, as he's spinning, he begins to form up. Have you ever seen them? They form up. And we were forming up the stuff because God never puts you down. He's always lifting you up. He's always lifting you up to a higher level in your life. Does that make sense to anybody here? So great people, understand this, great people always brings out the greatness in others. Great people brings out the greatness in other people. That's why you can't put people down because God doesn't put you down. And because God doesn't put you down, you're not supposed to put people down. You're supposed to lift people up. Are you what I'm saying? And be the person to bring the greatness out of other people. If you do that, you're a friend of God. Because he's a great God. Hallelujah. And so now he take, he has an image in his mind. We have an image. He places on the wheel. He begins to need us and take all the junk out of our lives that is not part of our future, is not part of his great design for us. And then as he's building us up, all of a sudden... Here comes what we call the cutting. And all of a sudden, he be, we begin to cut off excess stuff, stuff that doesn't belong there. We begin to cut out these excess parts. In the process, God does the same to us. God begins to cut off those extra parts that are not part of the original design. And sometimes God designs us, or it looks like God is building us. Okay, leave me like this, Lord. I like it just like this. God said, it's not part of the plan. But I like it, Lord. I like that little handle. No, no, no. It's not part of your design. I got to cut it off. I got to cut it off. That represents sometimes God speaking to us about things. Maybe God is speaking to you about the things you watch on television, the things you hear on the radio. Maybe the people you're hanging with and spending time with. God begins to cut those people off. You know why? Because they're not part of your future. There are some people we're holding on where God is saying you need to let go. And you need to make a decision either to obey God or disobey God. It's your choice. Because again, he begins to speak to us. And the way he does this, family, is through the sword of the Spirit. How many know that the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit? And he begins to cut you. And God, the Bible says, he prunes so that you can grow. God cuts you. He pierces you sometimes. He pierced his only son. Right? Transgression. He pierced them. And I learned one thing about God, family, that this is true. That God sometimes has to pierce you just like, a, like if you had a, a gallon of water or a gallon in a plastic and all of a sudden you pierce it and then water or the milk decides to, you know, begins to come out. But he pierces us sometimes 
so that he can fill us with himself again. Because some of us have been consumed with so much world that sometimes he has to pierce us according to the design, according to the design he has already. Does that make sense to anybody? There's some people, like I said, in your present that are not part of your future. Could it be that you're holding on to some things or someone that God is trying to cut off? But Lord, he looks so fine. He'll come to the Lord, I promise. He'll get saved. He's a nice guy. God said, be unequally yoked. Be not unequally yoked. Be not unequally yoked. You need to let him go. No, but Lord, he has money. You think not? People get in relationships because other people have money. Hidden agenda. He said, Lord, but he's, he's a nice looking and... and <laughs> Lord, she is so fine. She's got to be from God. <laughs> Are you hear what I'm saying? Especially from the singles ministry. <laughs> During the singles ministry, we have single ladies in, in, in our church. I know this church is not like that, but our church is like that. And all of a sudden, the singles ministry, when a young man comes in, all the single ladies go... It's like synchronization. And I said, oh, Lord Jesus. I feel sorry for this young man. <laughs> but then God begins to cut off stuff in our lives that don't belong to our future family. And we have to be sensitive enough and, and courageous enough and bold enough to say, I got to let this go. I got to let this go. See, there's some people even today that are holding on to jobs that God said you need to let go because it's killing you and you barely have time to come to church because you're working so much. Hello? But we're holding on because we have to make that money. I said this morning that I had, I, 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 uh, I still do it per diem, but not as much, only when they need me. But I, was, I do investigations for the state of New Jersey. And I've done it for many years. But then the Lord said to me, you need to let that go and come full-time into ministry. And I went from a salary that was pretty decent to something very low. But I had to trust God. I had to trust God. God was cutting that thing off my life so that I can better serve him. And I thank God for it. Amen? Amen. But here's what happens. He begins to knee. He begins to cut. He begins, looks like he begins to build you up. It looks like, uh, you know, things are happening. And, and, and all of a sudden, according to, according to the design... But as the wheel is turning and he's molding, what happens sometimes is that the clay gets dry. As he's molding, sometimes it gets dry, which makes it difficult to mold. Therefore, what we have to do is sprinkle some water on it to make it pliable again and begin to mold and continue. Amen? Now, this is refreshing to, to the clay, and then we will continue molding, like I said. And I don't know if you're in your life you ever had a dry spell in your life. Can I get an amen? Go through that dry period in your life. You said nothing's happening. It feels so dry. And all of a sudden, we begin to wonder why. Why is this happening? Why isn't God opening doors for me? Why do I feel like it's a stalemate? Why is that? And when realistically, God is preparing you and getting you ready for something greater. Something more beautiful than you can ever imagine. The Bible says that Jesus was led 
by the Spirit into the desert. But he came out in the power of the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit, but came out, by the, came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. The way you come in is not the way you get out. Are you hear what I'm saying? And God begins to mold you. It's not how you go into the desert, it's how you come out. And it is during this time that God is washing you in the water. And he begins to refresh you. Sometimes you're going through a dry season, and then he'll bring somebody to give you a refreshing word. To give you hope again and to say, guess what? You're not done. It's still time to keep working. Are you hear what I'm saying? And he brings people across your path to give you a word in season. I've had those kind of people in my life, and I thank God for them. They give you a word in season, which brings refreshing. And then all of a sudden, he begins to, to have this image. He takes you, puts you on the wheel. You're spinning over and over. He begins to mold you up, remove things from your life. Sometimes we go through that dry period and everything else. And then finally, finally, we say, okay. Because all of a sudden, the wheel stops. Everything in your life stops. And then all of a sudden, you say, okay, I'm done. I'm done. Because the wheel stopped. We're not feeling the hand of the potter anymore. And we say, this is it. Thank you, Jesus. This is what I've been made for. And you think you're done. You think you've gotten to that place. You think you finally arrived. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and then finally we feel those hands again that is lifting us up. And now he heads towards what is called the fiery furnace. Because God can't leave us like this. He can't leave us like this. The reason he can't leave us like this is because we're still soft. It's still, we could still be broken. We could still be shaped into something different. We could still be marred once again. So he can't leave us like this. Are you hear what I'm saying, family of God? He can't leave us like that. We look like something. People appreciate what it is, but we can't stay like that. That's why you have to be very, very careful as, as God is working in your life to be very, very careful with people who come into your life and say, oh, you've arrived. Oh, you're a man of God. Oh, you're a woman of God. You're a prophetess. You're this and you're that and all that other stuff. Be careful with those kind of people. God knows all things. And he knows what I'm supposed to be. And he knows what you're supposed to be. Does that make sense? So when God, we think God it's done with us. All of a sudden, he puts us in the fire. Now, before we place in the oven as potters, we had to do the former, meaning we had to do all those, you know, taking out the gases and kneading. We had to go, you know why? To get rid of those air pockets? Because we as potters knew, and the teachers told us, that if we go into the oven with those pots or, or with those air pockets, we would crack under heat. So the necessary steps had to be. That's why, family of God, you can't just jump from point A to point D. See, because you go from point A, God brings you to point B. Now, you may not like point B, but you're going to have to go through point B. Come on, somebody. You, you may not like it. It's the worst season in your life, point B, but you're going to have to go. And you can't say, God, get me out of here. Get... No, no. God said, you're going to have to go through that. And then all of a sudden, because point B is going to get you to point C. 
A point C may be a time of refreshing for you. He said, thank you, Lord. I'm no longer where I used to be. Thank you, Jesus. But understand that God is trying to get you to E. So you still got to get to D or C. Are you what I'm saying? And he begins to bring you through that process. And every season in your life is different. Every season in your life is totally different. And so he knew that he had to work in your life. That's why you have to make yourself pliable in the hands of God. Make yourself pliable in the hands of God. So he can mold you. He can take out those air pockets. If God is speaking to you today about something, work with God. Become pliable in the hands of God to remove these things in your life. Because he has a greater plan for you. Are you hear what I'm saying, family of God? So all of a sudden, he knew that he had to take out these air pockets. And, and all of a sudden, he puts us in the oven. Because he knows that the fire is the true proof of a masterpiece. Everything looks good. But can it or him or her withstand the fire? And he knew the oven would be the only place that would test him. And so he picks you up and he puts you into the oven. Takes it, puts you into the oven. And then he turns up the heat. And you're wondering in those times in your life, you say, Lord, what are you doing? What did I do? Did, did I commit sin? Was I wrong? Why, why are you putting me in this trial? And it's interesting that when God brings you through a test, just like every teacher, have you ever taken a test? When you take a test, there's no talking. You can't even ask questions during a test. Come on, somebody. When you're taking a test and you say, teacher, shh, 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 take the test. But I have a question. No, 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 no. The times for questions were before the test, not during the test. You're going to have to be quiet and take the test. But I don't like the test. doesn't matter. You're going to have to take the test. You're going to have to take the test. And during the test is when the teacher is silent. Sometimes the teacher is not in the room if they trust you, right? <laughs> but sometimes it's in the room. So he puts us in the oven. And then we're wondering, say, Lord, why are you putting us in the oven? What did I do? What was going on? And then all of a sudden he turns up the heat. Right? And he turns up the heat and we're feeling hot. I said, Lord, what's going on? I don't, get me out of here. And here's the interesting thing about it, that when we turn on the heat, after we turned it on, and every vessel had a different uh, uh, level of heat, this vessel required something greater than this vessel, which is smaller. See, it's amazing, like I said before, how God knows what you can handle. He'll never put you at a certain amount of heat at this level than he is on this level. But guess what? As you're increasing, he's going to turn up the heat. See, nobody likes that one. Nobody said amen on that one. As you're increasing, he said, I want to turn up the heat a little bit. See, that's why you have to be very careful how big you think you want to grow. Sometimes people say, Lord, I want a big ministry. You don't know what you're asking. Lord, I want a wife. You definitely don't know what you're asking. Come on, somebody. Same thing. Lord, I want a husband. Mm. Please. Hallelujah. Can I be real in this church? Hallelujah. 
Yeah, Lord, give me a husband. He looks fine. He dresses well. I like his cologne, his hair. He does his nails. He does pedicures. He shaves his legs and arms. He looks beautiful. Until you marry him. Then he leaves his drawers all over the floor. Is that all right to be real here? That's how we talk down in Trenton. I don't know about this North Brunswick stuff, but that's how we talk down there. He's doing all kinds of, he's chewing, doesn't brush his teeth. He doesn't. Now all of a sudden I said, Lord, give me another husband. <laughs> Lord says, you stuck now, baby. <laughs> I hate divorce. <laughs> so all of a sudden he puts us in there. And all of a sudden God puts the heat according to specifications. For each one of us. You can't handle what I can, and I can't handle what you can. And God knows that. And that's the beautiful thing about God. That's why we have to trust him. And all of a sudden, he puts the heat, and then he walks away. And I could just, I could just imagine the pot in the fire. All of a sudden, the heat, and then he looks at Jesus, walk away. Where'd he go? Because sometimes when we're in the fire, it feels lonely. Nobody's around. That trial, temptations, whatever it is, it feels like you're alone. And it's so hot in there. But then from time to time, we see the potter come and checking up on his masterpiece. He's doing good, just a little longer. But from the potter's perspective, or from the pot's perspective, we, he said, well, wait a minute, are you going to take me out yet? No, not yet. Another year, another month, another week, another day. And he comes back and he checks up on you. He said, hmm, just a little bit more. He may turn on the heat just a tad, and then he walks away again. I don't know if you ever felt like that in your life, that God doesn't seem to be around when you need him the most. But I want you to know that God is there. I want you to know that God doesn't go away. Are you hear what I'm saying? He promises he'll never leave us nor forsake us. I want you to know that just because you don't see him doesn't mean he doesn't exist. Come on, somebody. He is there, and he is a very present help in time of trouble. No question about that. The clay has no idea. The only thing it could do is hold on and hang on and persevere because he knows what he's doing. And All of a sudden, when it's time, because here's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. We are troubled in every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing the body in, of the dying of the Lord Jesus, the life that life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. When you find yourself in a fire furnace, recognize two things. That God is in control, and thank God that his hand is on the thermostat. He knows how hot and how low to turn it down. And then finally, when it's time, the potter decides to take the clay out of the oven. He checks it to make sure that there are no cracks. Amen. And it's a beautiful thing because here's what happens. All of a sudden, here comes this beautiful pot comes out. It still have, may have some, 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 some characteristics of the maker. 
Because each and every one and each and every pottery, I don't know if you ever traveled to different countries, but each pot or pottery has some kind of feature of the master. And whoever created this decided to leave these crevices on here. It was a sign, most likely, of what he thought of himself in his life. And I want you to know that each and every one of us have characteristics of the Almighty God. He's working in you, and he leaves certain markings in your life for a reason. So he puts us in the oven, and he glazes us, and he, puts, and he brings us out, and he begins to inspect us. And as he begins to inspect us, I want you to know, family, that God will never take something of his creation and then put it under a bushel or put it under a bed. You know what they do? They bring it out and display it. And they say, look at this beautiful creature. Now, to you, it may not look beautiful, but to the creator, it does. Just like you and I, family of God, you may look in the mirror and say, well, I don't like the way God made me. I want you to know that God created you just the way he had in mind. You may not like those extra lumps, those extra things that come along, but I want you to know that you need to trust God in every aspect of your life and say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you've created me perfect in every way. Other people may not see you that way, but God created you perfect. And he begins to check you. And I want you to know that there's a transformation that happens from before he puts you inside to now that you cannot be broken. Are you what I'm saying? And it's not that you became hard. It's that you became strengthened. Come on, somebody. It's not you became hard. You became strengthened. And more per now, now you're at the place where God wants to use you in that great measure according to how he intended from the very beginning. Does that make sense? If the clay did not go through the fire, anyone or anyone could have come and destroyed it. But since it went through the fire, all of a sudden, it cannot. Unless you drop it. But let me tell you something. I found something about the hand of God. That once it has a hold on you, ain't nobody going to pluck you out. Come on, somebody. Once he has you, ain't nobody going to pluck you out. The potter noticed that the vessel adapted the characteristics once again the qualities of this potter. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 to 6. Are you getting something this morning? Amen. He says, For we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ, the Lord, and ourselves your servant as Jesus, for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He said, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels and that excellency of the power of God may be of God and not of us. I want you to know that God has created you just like this pot. And he created you. Every potter makes his masterpiece, not for himself, but for other people to use. I want you to know that. You were created not for you. You were created for somebody else. That's why I said you're the solution to somebody else's problem. You were created for someone else. We were here. The Bible says he blessed you to be a blessing. 
And God, and I want you to know that every vessel that he makes is totally different. This vessel in itself, and maybe this represents you. He created to carry something on the inside, maybe some water. And your responsibility is not so much to plant seeds, but to water the seeds that are already planted. Maybe that's your job. Maybe your job in life is not so much to preach from a pulpit or go into missions. Maybe your, your goal or, or, or your mission is life is to see people who are hurting and just refresh them and just touch them. You see people who, are, who might be going through some serious situations in their lives and God pours in you so that you can pour into somebody else. That's the way we have to be. See, what happens is we say, God, give me, give me, pour in me, pour in me. And, and, but you do nothing with it. You know what happens to stagnant water? Think about it. Mildew, mold, mosquitoes grow on it. All kinds of algae grows on it. Are you what I'm saying? So water is supposed to be flowing through us. That's why the Bible says, out of your belly shall what? Flow rivers. You're supposed to be an open spigot for God. And God poured in you. And once you get it, you begin to pour. But here's the problem with some people. God begins to fill them. They pour, but pour, they pour. They pour everything out and never get back to the place and say, God, fill me again. Give me again. And that's why they get burnt out. That's why they get burnt out. They never go back to the source and say, God, pour here. And begins to pour into other people. Maybe that's you. Maybe God makes you just a small vessel like this. Very important. I got this from Israel. One of the little oil lamps. I got this from Nazareth. An oil lamp. Maybe your job is to just guide people in darkness. Maybe that's your job. Maybe that's your mission in life. Maybe you don't write a book. But your life, your, your, your call to just say, come, I know the way. Let's follow the light. And just guide people. Maybe through a dark tunnel. Who knows? Maybe that's your calling. Maybe that's your responsibility in life. See, sometimes we're looking at the wrong thing. Sometimes we're seeking the wrong people. And all we have to do is just look to God. So maybe that's your assignment. Who knows? Maybe God's created you this shape. Maybe he created you this shape with a funny hat. Who knows? That's what they actually call it, a hat. Maybe he created you this to be this vessel. And you say, what in the world is that? This I got from Israel as well. This is when we went to uh, Qumran, where the Dead, Seals, uh, Dead Sea Squirrels were. And this is the vessel they kind of, they put them in, the, the shepherds. So maybe God's created you maybe to, where, where's the, oh, it fell? It's on the table. Maybe God's created you to have the word inside of you. Maybe God's created you to be a teacher, to teach the word of God. To people. Not so much a pastor, but a teacher. Not so much an evangelist, but a teacher. Maybe, maybe not so much in, you know, in, 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 in a, in a uh, you know, church setting. Maybe in your home. Maybe in your job. You see? Maybe God wants to use you in that way. And he created you to hold something much more dear to him, which is the word of God. Maybe that's where it's at. Who knows, family? But one thing we do know, that he is the potter. And we're the clay. And the clay cannot tell the potter, don't make me this way. I don't like the way you created me. I don't like the way you made me. But we have to understand, family, that he is wiser than us. And he knows more than us. And he's more knowledgeable of us. Knowledgeable of us. Are you hear what I'm saying? 
Amen. Let's stand up. Praise God. I believe today that God, through His Word, and through this illustration, that God has spoken to some of you today. Maybe you're struggling with some things and you're saying, Lord, why am I going through this? Why, why, why am I going through these difficult times in my life? And I want you to know that God has you right where he needs you. And we can't jump out the oven. We can't jump out the oven and we can't get out of the potter's wheel. His hand is all over your life. His hand is all over your life. Are you hear what I'm saying? But yet some of you are still struggling with some things in your life. And I want to pray with your permission, pastors and leaders. I want to pray for some of you right now. If, you, if this word was for you, and you know for a fact that God has been working in your life, and that sometimes it's been very difficult, I want to pray for you. I want to come in agreement with you. That wherever you're at, that God will continue to give you the strength for the next journey in your life. I really believe that. I've been there. I know what it is to suffer. It's been times... When, when, when we were praising and worshiping, that I couldn't even stand it. I fell on my knees crying because of the pain and the suffering that I was suffering, experiencing at that time. And I said, God, why? Why did my son have to die? Why is it? Maybe you've never experienced that. But I experienced moments in my life where the truth is that my mind was reasoning with God. It was trying to reason with God, trying to make sense of things. My flesh didn't want to be in church. My spirit was calling out to God. My spirit was calling out to God while my mind was reasoning and my flesh didn't want to be there. So I understand the turmoil that sometimes we go through in life. But I want you to know that God has you right where you need to be. The devil almost lied to me and he told me, leave the church. Take a sabbatical. You're going through too much pain. You're going through too much situation in your life. Take a sabbatical, leave the church to somebody else. And it sounded good. And it was a great, I could have done it just like this. But God said, no, stay. God says, stay. And some of you here today may be wanting to run away from God. Maybe you're going through so much heartache and pain. And you say, Lord, I I'm about to give up on this thing. God's telling you right now to stay. He's got you right where he needs you. If that was you... I want you to leave out your seat, and I want to pray for you. I want to pray for those right now. Come on, don't be afraid. Hallelujah. We come to church to get healed. Isn't that right? We come to church for God to minister to us. We come to church for God to begin to work in our lives. Hallelujah. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Barry, you know what? I heard what you said. And I don't know where God wants to take me next. I don't know what God wants to do in my life. I really don't. But I feel like I have a calling or I have a purpose in my life. I just don't know what it is. I want to pray for you as well. I want to pray for you. If that's you, if you sense that you have a calling and a purpose in your life. And you said, this is it right here. I just don't know what's the next step. Where am I going to go next? What am I going to do next? I just don't know. You feel like maybe you're feels like you're going in that potter's wheel round and round and round and round Lord where am I going to do what's going to happen next I want to pray for you listen I want you to know I've been there I don't preach anything I haven't lived I don't preach anything I haven't lived. 
I've been through that situation. Don't know when's the next step, what's going to happen next. Lord, what's... feel like I was going through this tunnel. In pain. Suffering. And all the while, the devil's talking to me. You don't have a call. You don't have a purpose. You're doing this on your own. But God wants to tell you, just like he told me, your life is in his hands. Your life is in his hands. Hallelujah. Your life is in his hands. Just like the potter, having the clay. He knows exactly where you're at, and he knows exactly what he needs to do with you right now. So as I pray with you, I'm not going to pray long, but I'm going to come in agreement right now. But whatever it is, some of you know, my desire is that my faith, united with your faith, will activate God in such a way that if you need a breakthrough, it's going to happen immediately. If you need a healing, it's going to happen immediately. I hear what I'm saying. We serve a God of suddenlies. Suddenlies. We serve a God of suddenlies. And immediately something happens. And suddenly something happens. And that's what I'm believing God today. That when I pray for you, I lay hands on you, I'm not going to pray long, but that something immediately is going to happen in your life. Suddenly it's going to happen in your life. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Now all those that are before you. I'm sorry. All those that are there. And maybe you're well. Maybe you're okay. Praise the Lord for that. We thank God. But I want you to know we're going through processes. We're going through processes. Are you hear what I'm saying? Maybe you're not in a fiery trial now. Maybe you're okay. But don't, don't fall asleep. Don't fall asleep. Trust me, do not fall asleep. Because your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion. See, look at this stuff. And that word means to investigate. He is investigating. So don't fall asleep. So while you're sitting there or standing there, I want you to extend your hand over towards the altar. Because we're all going to come in agreement. See, what, what's, what's going to happen is, as you extend your hand, and we extend our hand that way, it's almost like creating the Ark of the Covenant, the cherubims. And they're right in the middle, in the presence of God. We're going to bring them right to the altar, where God begins to do something great and miraculous. I don't know what it is that they need, but God does. We're going to pray and believe God in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.